What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 223 of the FM Marks podcast, and I am the brainless one. Um, Jay should be tuning in at some point um, during the podcast. He said he wanted to t- uh, tune in a little bit. Um, his family is actually down from Connecticut visiting, so um, he said he was just going to come and chime in for a bit. Hopefully we get him for the predictions and everything. It'd be good. Um, but we'll go this route going forward and you'll be getting the brainless episode of the podcast. So, uh, got, a, <clears throat> got quite a bit we have to get into today. Um, some interesting news that has come out this week. Um, hi Jessica, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, so, uh, yeah, we got quite a bit to get into uh, some of the different changes that have been happening on the uh, the broadcast team. Um, we have a swap out on Monday Night Raw. We have somebody else getting released. Um, we also have <laughs> a former WCW star got arrested once again this week. Um, I'm going to dive into that a little bit. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Uh, JR picked who his best wrestler in the, in the business is right now. Um... So I actually want to dive into that a little bit because it's actually caused quite a stir amongst the people in the wrestling world. Uh, The Usos actually had their first match last night in over a year as a tag team. Um, I want to talk about that. Uh, John Cena, there's some news about him coming out. Um, Also with Edge and Sasha Banks. So I wanted to touch base on that a little bit. And then this weekend we have... AEW's Double or Nothing pay-per-view, and I have the card, and I am going to be doing the predictions for tomorrow night's show, which I'm kind of surprised that it's on Sunday once again, when I actually would give them the edge of keeping it on Saturdays, because that would be the one thing they would have an advantage over WWE with, so, um, but quite a bit to get into, uh, so let's get started. So the first thing I wanted to touch base on was uh, Jim Ross did an interview Uh, earlier this week, and somebody had asked him who he thought was the best wrestler in the world right now, and he said that Randy Orton was his pick over Kenny Omega. It's interesting because of the fact that Kenny Omega and Jim Ross both worked for AEW, so people were kind of taken, you know, taken aback by the fact that um, Jim Ross would actually pick Randy Orton over Kenny Omega, and, you know, it caused a stir because, like, Kenny Omega actually took offense to the fact that Randy Orton, uh, was the pick from Jim Ross, you know, he's, and he kind of threw some shade at Jim Ross. Um, it's just, it caused too much of a stir and I think that it really shouldn't have caused. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, that's just how it goes in the business. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought that was interesting that Jim Ross would say that. I mean, at least he was honest about it. I personally, if he had said like Roman Reigns was better than Kenny Omega, I can understand that. Uh, I mean, Randy Orton's been doing it for such a long time, so, you know, I can understand why he would say it, just because, like, longevity and the fact that he is very successful and all the, all that, and, you know. So I just thought that was that was interesting that Jim Ross actually mentioned that. Um, so uh, what is everybody's thoughts about that? What does everybody think about Jim Ross? Um, saying that Randy Orton was better than Kenny Omega and that Randy Orton was the best wrestler in the world. I'd be curious to see what everybody else thinks about that. 
Uh, also this week, we have another switch on the Ross uh, announced team as uh, Adnan Virg, who was just brought in no more than like two months ago, uh, is out as the head voice of Monday Night Raw, and he is now going to be replaced by Jimmy Smith, who has done UFC in the past and is very well liked in WWE. Uh, I thought it was a very interesting hire in the first place a couple months ago when they brought in Adnan Burke. I was curious to see how he was going to handle working in that industry considering he went from you know, ESPN and doing like all the sports because I want to say he was like the MLB network as well. Um, I was curious to see how he was going to transition over to professional wrestling um, considering it's not as similar to like doing like a, an actual live sport. And, you know, I, I, I was like, you know, his first couple of weeks, I was like, all right, you know, you got to give him time. You know, he's got to get acclimated and everything like that. And after a while, I was like, yeah, I don't know about this. Wasn't really that good of a hire. I, you know, you know, it is what it is. Um, I, I figured they were going to make a change if, if something just, it just didn't work out with them. I was surprised that they went as quickly as they did to uh, take out Adnan Verk, considering the fact that they just brought him in. Um, but, like, the Raw announced team has been an absolute disaster ever since they made this deal. Well, basically, ever since they moved, I hate to say it, Michael Cole to SmackDown. Ever since Michael Cole got moved to SmackDown, the Raw announced team has just not been the same. And it bothers me to say that because I can't stand Michael Cole as an announcer. But the fact is, the dude has been there for so long, and he is good at what he does, whether you like him or not. He is there, and he is he is the voice of WWE. And it's just been kind of a revolving door ever since he went from Raw to SmackDown. And, you know, they've, they've tried different routes and different avenues and everything like that. Um, I'm a little surprised that Vic Joseph didn't get the job. But obviously they wanted to get like a big name person to do uh, Monday Night Raw going forward. So obviously Jimmy Smith has a little bit of a background because he did the UFC. Um, it's going to be an interesting uh, dynamic to say the least. I, I think he might actually have a better chance at doing a better job than Adnan Verk did. Um, he is going to be going in there with one of the better people to work with in, in, the, uh, in the broadcasting with Corey Graves. Uh, he's been doing this for a long while. And, you know, Byron Saxton is what Byron Saxton is. And I'm not Byron Saxton's biggest fan, to say the least. But, you know, I, I mean, he's there's worse out there. David Otunga, you know, is the first one that comes to mind. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how this goes. Um, you know, speaking of uh, announcers, Tom Phillips also was uh, let go this week. Uh, he was, at one point, the uh, the lead voice for Monday Night Raw. He was part of that carousel, and he kind of just bounced around between, like, 205 Live and NXT and SmackDown and all that stuff. And I was never really that big of a fan of Tom Phillips. I know a lot of people were. I I just didn't see he was just kind of a guy who was there who could talk about wrestling and that's all I really saw him as he wasn't like somebody who I'm like oh my god it's Tom Phillips I'm so glad he's calling this match um so I I not really surprising considering they've been letting go of quite a few people they let go of the talents back in April they let the NXT people go about a week ago so now all the backstage people are going to start losing their jobs and um so yeah, he was he was gonna be one of unfortunately he was one of them that lost his job. Uh, I'm I'm sure somebody will pick him up. He's he's, you know he's he is what he is. Again, like I said, he's just a dude that talks about wrestling. So, um, I want to talk about that a bit. Let's see what else. 
<clears throat> former WCW superstar Buff Marcus Buff Bagwell um, was arrested this week uh, for something really kind of stupid. Um, so Buff Bagwell was actually driving his car and he hit somebody, kind of just you know rear-ended them and everything, and then he proceeded to drive away. Well, the car that he actually hit decided to follow him for about two miles until he came to a stop. The cops came, they interviewed uh, Buff Bagwell, and they asked him why didn't he stop after he hit the person. And he said, well, you know, my battery's on the verge of dying, so I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get the, uh, I couldn't stop the car because I was afraid it wasn't going to start again. And then they, you know, they ran his ID and everything, and he had a... Um, a warrant out for his arrest, so they arrested him. So, good on you, Buff Badwell. <laughs> yeah? So, um, I just thought that was funny. Buff Bagwell. Um, he was actually a really good... <laughs> Buff Bagwell was a really good wrestler. I like Buff as an in-ring performer. He didn't really have much of a character when he was over in WCW. Um, and then they kind of just threw him in the NWO because at that time, during the late 90s who wasn't in the nwo the nwo had 309 people in it and he really didn't serve like i i get it, he kind of had that look but he didn't really like he didn't really do anything for anybody i mean sad enough because of the fact that i was a buff bagwell fan i don't know why uh, um so but it's just funny because like he had one match in wwe after they had the uh, the whole invasion uh, storyline and he came in and he had one match for the WCW title against Booker T and I think it was the state of Washington and I think the the week after they were going to be in Washington they were going to be down in like Atlanta Georgia or somewhere down in the territories where WCW was actually prevalent and they made the mistake of having it because that match you know just fell flat you know Austin and Kurt Angle got involved and it was like, they I just remember like the announcers were just talking about, oh my goodness, does this mean that Buff Bagwell is in there with Steve Austin and Kurt Angle? And like, they're really trying to sell that Buff Bagwell was in cahoots with Steve Austin and Kurt Angle. And I'm like, um, uh, just, <laughs> it just, they tried selling it so well and it just like, and then, you know, they threw Booker T out of the building and Buff Bagwell was going to celebrate with Steve Austin and Kurt Angle and they threw him out of the building and that was the, basically, like, Buff Bagwell just kind of got future endeavored to getting thrown out of the building. And, uh, Jessica, I do agree with you. Um, he should reach out to DDP for help. Um, it would be a really good idea for him because DDP has helped a lot of people out in the past. DDP is one of the better human beings on this planet. I think that would be an, a, a great thing for... Buff Bagwell to get a hold of Diamond Dallas Page. Um, can't hurt. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was Buff Bagwell. I can't believe it. We're in 2021 and we're still talking about Marcus Bagwell. Whew. All right, what else do we have? Oh, the big story that kind of came out over the last 24 hours. WWE is apparently in talks to be the exclusive North American partner of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, it's a very, very interesting turn of events considering um, it looked like New Japan was going to be working with Impact and with AEW, with a bunch of the guys from 
uh, New Japan actually wrestling over there. I want to say, um, uh, what the hell's his name? I can't, I can't think of his name. The, the tag team that they had from over there, um, Juice Robinson, uh, and whoever Juice Robinson's partner is, they were working, they just worked recently for Impact Wrestling. Um, I think this would be a very, very good uh, move for WWE if they could work out this partnership. This wouldn't be the, um, you know, for them to work out, if they worked that out with New Japan, I think that would be a, a, a good move. Um, it would be a huge blow for AEW because they were kind of hoping that partnership was going to help put them over because they would have the imports coming from, you know, the Japan, you know, from Japan. And, you know, a lot of the guys over there are just, you know, they don't get the exposure, you know, over in this area like they do over in Japan and Asia. And I think that that would be, I think it would be a better move for New Japan personally um, if they went and worked with WWE just because Vince McMahon is just, he's just this big. And he just, you know, he's turned this into such a worldwide phenomenon. And it's like, yes, I'd like to see AEW succeed at some point. But they'll never be WWE. Nothing will ever be WWE. And I think for New Japan, this would be a huge, huge, huge uh, move for them. Finjuice is their tag team name. Um, I think that's... Isn't that Dave Finley and Juice Robinson? I could be wrong, but I think that's who it is. Um, but yeah, I think this would be a, it'd be a great move because you know WWE has been talking about moving over to Japan to have like an NXT Japan. Well, instead of doing that, why don't you just work with New Japan? It would just be a lot easier to do that. And with New Japan, you would have so many more opportunities for dream matches that people would ever think that they would ever see. You can have Okada. I mean, you could have Tanahashi. You could have the Gorillas of Destiny come. Are you kidding me? Could you imagine the Gorillas of Destiny going up against the Usos? What? Oh, yeah, that would that would be just fantastic. And, 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 the, and the irony of it is, just think if New Japan does work this thing out with WWE and they get this partnership, Hideo Itami would then once again be somewhat somehow working for Vince McMahon again. Let that sink in. <laughs> uh, Okada versus Lesnar would be fantastic, Jay. I'm not even going to lie about that. Okada and Lesnar would be superb. Um, I mean, I love this. I still like to see Lesnar and Bobby Lashley go for it. Um, I like to see Lesnar come back and, and fight Roman Reigns. because That would be a nice stepping stone for Roman Reigns, especially after how Roman performed last night. Like, he was just... He was on another level last night, and I was just, I was thoroughly impressed. Um, I know that there's somebody who tunes into the podcast who wasn't as impressed with uh, Roman Reigns and what um, Kevin Dunn produces from him, I guess is the best way to put it. All right, that's that. All right, so this week it was announced that John Cena will officially be returning to WWE. The date has not yet been determined, but it has a lot to do with the fans coming back, I believe, July 16th or the, the week of, I think it's like the second week of July is when fans are going to be going back on the road and everything. I think it is July 16th, if I'm not mistaken, that that SmackDown is the first show that comes back to uh, having the fans to all the shows and they start touring again. Um... Cena should be debuting sometime around then. Um, 
It could be the following Raw. But John Cena has been rumored to be returning back, and those rumors have been confirmed that he will be returning to WWE. Uh, the date has yet to be determined. But there are two superstars, superstars, that are going to be returning um, on that July 16th episode of SmackDown because they both have been advertised for the show. And that is Sasha Banks, who I didn't even realize was not being advertised because she was just on TV like not even a month ago. And Edge, who we haven't seen since Roman Reigns stacked him on top of Daniel Bryan. And as Jay says, is officially the Universal Champion because he pinned Daniel Bryan before he pinned Roman Reigns. Um, do I think Cena will get booed considering what he said recently? Um, yeah, he kind of got into a little bit of a situation because um, of the fact that he is promoting for the new Fast and Furious movie and he was over in China and he came out and said... You know, he talked about, like, helping Taiwan and everything like that. And then he came out and did an apology and said that Taiwan is not really a country to kind of appease the Chinese people, which led to CM Punk changing his bio and his Twitter account to Taiwan is a country. And um, I think that it's going to be the same reaction, Jessica, that we typically get for John Cena. I think that all the kids are going to cheer him and all the guys are going to boo him. And when his music hits, they're all going to sing in, in chorus because if there's anything that I know about professional wrestling fans is they are persistent. And when John Cena's music hits and those fans can start singing the chorus of John Cena sucks, because they will, that is the reaction that John Cena is going to get upon his return. Um, I, I think the kids will still cheer for him. And I think that the dudes are going to just, you know, hit him with the chorus of John Cena sucks. Um... But that is a really good question. I, I, I like that one. Um, God, I, I actually forgot about that, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, you know, I try to do this, and I try not to you know, miss anything and everything. And, you know, I know with the pay-per-view tomorrow, I wanted to get those predictions in. Um, I'm going to try to go the entire episode. I know it's going to be next to impossible, but I would like to try to go the entire episode of this podcast without... Uh, hold on. What do we got here? Is it working? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See how I can get this thing looking. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is fantastic. Two weeks in a row. Hey, you, you know, I... My, my schedule has been crazy, crazy, crazy. I wasn't even sure I'd be able to join in today. but Things happened. It worked out. Well, we appreciate you being on here, Jay, as always. It's, it's, it's hard to do the podcast solo because the brains of the podcast is not on. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm the brainless. So. so, Jay, was there anything that you would like to, like, chime in on on any of the topics that I was talking about? Uh, you, you know, as far as uh, Buff Bagwell goes, you, you know, it's just sad. It's like, I remember, I think, what, uh, 1990 or 91 was his first year, and they just always touted him, the rookie of the year, Buff Bagwell, the rookie of the year. And, and like you were saying, he was a super bland character until – I think it was he and Scott Steiner teamed together yep. in 
uh, I think it, they were called like buff enough or, or something a lot along those lines, but he was just, you know, the uh, arrogant heel full of himself. Uh, but, you know, went from that, like, uh, you know, in that match with Booker T, it was in Washington and they were supposed to be in Atlanta the next week, but, you know, Bagwell never thought that that match was all that bad. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, in, in, in all fairness to them, it's not the worst match I've seen, but Vince McMahon had programmed WWE audiences to hate WCW in every way, shape, or form. So when you sit there and put a w, two WCW performers in front of a WWE crowd as far away from home as they can without any buildup, without anybody in WWE, like as much as uh, WCW was a national promotion, you know, like their stronghold wasn't in Washington State. It was right. in Atlanta. If you really wanted WCW to succeed and have a chance, they should have waited until the next week. That was one of the things when they bought WCW. I think Linda McMahon touted, hey, we, we want to make WCW work. And they specifically, I mean, this was 13 years before the network. They touted how they wanted to use that tape library to, to be something at some point to uh, get money off of it. It took them 13 years to figure that out. But, you know, they... They ruined WCW, like any chance of having a real WCW after that by putting that match then and then when they screwed up the invasion angle later. But as far as Buff Bagwell goes, you know, he uh, obviously they had his mom on a forklift match. Uh, they called out of work for him a couple times. Um, uh, but I don't think she's going to be able to bail him out of this one. You know, ever since I, I think it he had i think it was a show on hbo where like he and his wife were part of it and i can't remember what the heck the name of it but the premise more or less was i think buff bagwell was like a male prostitute type uh and that's how he would get money and yeah. that if my memory is correct i think that's what was going on uh with them but you know he's like well i'm gonna figure out how to pay my bills. So that's what I'm doing. And, you know, as he got older, he was talking about, you know, if your gimmick is buff, buff is the stuff. Like I need to have a good physique. And he was just saying, as I've gotten older, it's just more and more difficult and somewhat similar to, to that. Uh, Dave Batista more or less has said that he can't do Drax and Destroyer after the next uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And it's just, uh, Drax, you know, does not wear a shirt. And Batista has said, it's getting so hard for me to maintain that body that I need to have to do Drax the Destroyer. Uh, but all that being said, uh, Buff Bagwell in the last few years certainly has been through uh, some hard times. And, you know, generally when you get pulled over, uh, for like a DUI and specifically with this instance, like he's probably gotten away with doing it and not getting caught for a long time. Mm -hmm. This was just the first time or, or he might've gotten caught one, one time before, but it's like, if you get caught with that, it, you've got a problem. 
Yeah. And I, I, his reasoning behind not stopping was just absolutely tremendous. Um, he, he, yes. You don't want your battery to die. <laughs> uh, that's what his mom told him to tell the cops. But if his battery had died, she could have showed up with the forklift to pick him up and bring him to wherever he needed to go. You know, and perhaps we could have had uh, Trent Beretta's mom's uh, minivan, too. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't think we're getting that tomorrow. I don't think the minivan's going to be... No, no, I, I don't think so. If the minivan shows up in the stadium stampede match, even though, you know, the best friends are technically not a part of that, <laughs> you know. I, I think that's the way they could work that in. Or, or you know what? Maybe she drops off Orange Cassidy. Ooh. Like, like, she drives them up, and all three of them get out of the back of the car. That would be great. And, <laughs> and then, like, Beretta at the end is like, thanks, Mom. Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah. That would be one of those things wrestling fans would either love or hate. But I yeah. think years down the road, they would be like, remember that time when – when the best friends got dropped off by Trent Beretta's mom. Well, if you think, think about it, would be great. Think about it, though. We always remember either the really stupid shit or the really funny shit. Yes. You know, we always we always talk about, like, how the big show's dad's casket got dragged out of the cemetery by the greatest heel of all time. The big greatest heel. And, you know, we, we talk about the tea time with Santino because it was funny as shit. So, you know, Trent Beretta's mom dropping them off would definitely be in that discussion of, oh, my God, do you remember when Trent Beretta dropped them off and Orange Cassidy won the AEW title? That, that would be crazy. That would be crazy. I don't think it, personally, I don't think it happens. No, it, it won't happen, but uh, I'm just sitting there shooting for the moon there with, with some uh, tinfoil hat theories. Yeah. Speaking of which, tinfoil hat theory... Uh, wise, I mean, the thing I was talking about with Daniel Bryan being uh, possible like AEW and actually part of WWE, part of the New Japan thing was like the, a lot of the discussions were about Daniel, Daniel Bryan specifically mm -hmm. and how I think that, you know, fr from his independent days being the American Dragon. Uh, I, I know that you know, Japanese fans have not forgotten him, and it, it's clear that Daniel Bryan um, will continue to be a WWE guy, but if they decide that they're going to open the forbidden door, as Tony Khan has, uh, you know, put the name out for it, Daniel Bryan is well-respected everywhere. You can send him anywhere, and there's going to be a respect for him. Mm -hmm. You know, like a dude like Brock Lesnar, he's going to do what he wants to do. Well, Daniel Bryan just loves to wrestle. Right. Put me in the ring against somebody, and, you know, I'll make it good. And the fans appreciate that, and that's what – he makes everybody look good. And could you imagine Daniel Bryan versus Okada? Oh, if it's in Tokyo Dome, that's like eight and a half stars to start. It, uh, it's funny, too, because like right before you asked to get invited on, I was actually going to make uh, 
an announcement that this entire episode, I'm going to stay positive and not say one bad thing about Kenny Omega. Oh, that, wow. Even if Tony Brown Snow chimes in and, you know, nope. does what he does. No, All right. And no meltdown. No, no. This is going to be positive towards Omega episode. All right. I don't think I'm going to make it. We'll, we'll do we'll we'll do our best. Uh, <laughs> as far as uh, John Cena when he comes back, I'm gonna say that John Cena gets a hero's welcome when he returns. That that is my my belief. He's been away long enough, and I think people have realized like what a a good talent he is. And you know when biblically they talk about. Uh, if you're given, if you're already full and they keep giving you honey, the t honey's going to taste like crap after a while. But if you're not full, honey will be the sweetest thing you taste. Well, because we're not full and, and like tired of John Cena, it's going to taste sweet to see him in the ring. I mean, the last time we saw him in the ring, there were no fans there. And when we saw him before that, when there were fans there, he was mostly getting cheered. So I think whatever he hears now is going to be mostly cheers. Because uh, if he's going to go against Roman Reigns at SummerSlam, he's obviously going to be a face. So I, I think that's good. Uh, speaking of John Cena, uh, Fast and Furious 9 did incredible box office last weekend. It was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 150 million for uh, worldwide box office. Damn. And, you, you know, him being, you know, the big baddie in the movie, you know, that, that's nothing but good stuff for one, his movie career, and two, for WWE, and I guess three, for the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Uh, sequel coming out. So. So my question, since we are bringing up John Cena's return, do we get hustle, loyalty, respect John Cena, or do we get the doctor to come in? You know, uh, if he's going against the uh, tribal chief, I, I feel Doctor of Thugonomics would be a better counter to yeah. the tribal chief. You know, all right, you got a doctor and you got a, a chief. And... and Hustle, loyalty, respect that, you know, that that was the moniker for over a decade. But I, I think that's, I would prefer to see the Doctor of Thugonomics uh, make a return. And I would love to see the promo clash between the two of them. You know, Roman Reigns right now with this character has a slow and, you know, forceful way that he delivers his lines where you know I, I think it would cause Roman Reigns to have to I'm not going to say up his game but kind of change up his cadence change up his stuff just a little bit to keep it all uh, fresh and I think it'd be I think it'd be a lot of fun mm -hmm. I agree uh, but my belief, though, is that it will be hustle, loyalty, respect. I just say my preference would be the Doctor of Thugonomics. 
I think that you you hit it, you hit the nail right in the head on that. That is a that's a pretty good idea. I'd love to see the doctor come back. It would be just it would be just so unexpected, you know, because that yeah. was that was it when he did his best work. I don't care what anybody says. And you know, we got a little bit of a taste of it the last time the fans were in the ring because he came out as the doctor at WrestleMania 35. He got the wonderful pop when that happened. Yeah. And, you know, they throw that that curveball. He's going to get even more over. And then you still have Roman Reigns go over on him to make him look even bigger. Absolutely. And, and if I'm not going to say that Roman Reigns wins the same style that Brock Lesnar beat him when he did the, uh, what was it, 16 German suplexes. Uh-huh. And it was more or less a squash match. But I think it'll it'll be a long battle, but it's going to end similarly to, like, the Daniel Bryan match, to the Cesaro match in it's going to be a clear-cut win, and it's going to, you know, again, reassume his dominance. All right, Jessica, asking about our thoughts on what's going on with Jimmy and Jay uh, storyline. Uh, I thought it was interesting, like, hey, they got a big win last night, and, and Jimmy continuing to put them into matches that Jay isn't necessarily on board with. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I get the feeling that they're going to accidentally win the tag team titles, so to speak. And, and that'll force, I think it's going to force Jay to be like, we're tag team champions. Not getting quite the respect that we should be getting from the tribal chief here. Cause we're tag team champions. My brother's taken us into a good direction. We've won. I mean, does your loyalty lie with your brother or your cousin? And storyline-wise, uh, Roman Reigns is the one putting food on everybody's table. So we all know he's the rock. <laughs> right, right. Because, <laughs> uh, hey, if they want to take that in storyline-wise, uh, the uh, Hobbs and Shaw Fast and Furious movie. Uh, who is the one who hired his cousin to be in the movie? The Rock did. The Rock did. put food on Roman Reigns' table. So, I really hope that when it does come down to Roman versus The Rock, that The Rock ends up beating him. That would be the you know, they could pull. They could pull like they did with Cena and Rock that first time around. And you would just have to have, like, the rematch probably sooner than a year later. Right. That would be my guess. And speaking of which, I, I missed, like, the first few minutes. Did you talk about the date change and venue for SummerSlam? No, I did not talk about that. Okay. I tried to get everything as – I tried to get as much as I could. I yeah. A significant amount of notage. So – um, that was one thing I did miss, though. So one thing that is happening is SummerSlam is moving to Saturday night, Saturday, August 21st, which it, I, I forget who he's going against, uh, but the uh, the man that has been put in bubble wrap in the Philippines, uh, I, I think Manny Pacquiao, is having a fight that night. And for whatever reason, WWE wanted to choose the same date is that fight for their, for SummerSlam. I don't know if this means SummerSlam is going to be now two nights or just one night and on Saturday, 
and I'm not sure the reasoning behind it more than it feels like maybe coronavirus wise, perhaps travel restrictions and trying to get people in the country and then to getting people to be able to leave. You know, you, you have a, a Sunday event and if people aren't sticking around for Monday Night Raw, you know, they got to get back home, get back to work. So I don't know. I don't know exactly why they're doing it. I, I honestly prefer Saturday pay-per-views. Uh, so I'm glad they're doing it on Saturday. Uh, but one thing that is going to not happen because of all of this, I have a very big thing going on that weekend, so I won't even be able to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could possibly see it on Saturday night, possibly, but it probably wouldn't be the greatest idea in the world. Because, I mean, SummerSlam's not WrestleMania, so it's not going to be going on for, you know, the next hundred hours. But, you know, they'll probably have SummerSlam go for about uh, 50. <laughs> so, we'll they're, see. They're going to start it on Thursday at 10 p.m. Hey, you know what? I, I've got that Thursday and Friday off, so I'll be ready to roll with the, the uh, pre-show. Uh, and maybe the pre-show stopper, Ryback, will be back. <laughs> Better than ever. Right. Uh, but so uh, SummerSlam will be held in a stadium this year. It's going to be in Las Vegas, uh, the home of where the Las Vegas Raiders will play, <laughs> uh, which, you know, I know we, we talked about that, I think, last week, that they were trying to fill stadiums for SummerSlam. They, they did it for uh, the last couple of Royal Rumbles. So if they could get enough fans for SummerSlam, great. And I don't know if they'll be able to, like, I know a lot of places are just lift, completely lifting restrictions. I don't know how hesitant certain people are. I know I'm still hesitant about certain things. You know, we've been vaccinated and, like, I still don't want to sit there and be sitting next to somebody all that close at this moment. Because I, I just don't, even though I'm vaccinated, I don't have a strong belief in Joe Schmo next to me not wearing a mask. And as much as I'm vaccinated, I also don't want to, like, even if I get mild symptoms, I don't even want to deal with coronavirus. Right. At all. So, but uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how well they do selling tickets. And Paul Heyman this week kind of teasing that perhaps... Uh, the Beast Incarnate might possibly, maybe, show up in Houston when they start their touring schedule, possibly. So I think WWE is certainly going to reach out to a bunch uh, of talent that have either not been on TV or, you know, maybe SummerSlam, they end up doing almost sort of, let's say, a... a New Japan WWE Grand Slam event. That'd you know, you can still have John Cena versus Roman Reigns main event this thing, but, you know, you could grab that Japanese audience, which right now I think there's still major restrictions in Japan as far as 
uh, coronavirus goes. I mean, there's been talk about possibly uh, canceling the Olympics again for this year because, you know, they're still, they still haven't gotten their stuff straight. But I think there would be a big contingent of fans if we could get the people from Japan over to the United States who would come to Las Vegas and fill that stadium to see an Okada versus Brock Lesnar match. So if WWE wants to try something different to try to fill the stands, that, in my view, would be it. Whether or not that's going to be the thing, you know, they certainly sound like they still have things to work out. But one thing I'll put with WWE lately, whenever they have somebody making like a return and they don't want to ruin a surprise, they've been good at keeping that under wraps. Mm-hmm. They, they finally figured out, we can't do this. We can't trust this person. We can't trust this person. They know where the leaks are. So, all right, Vince McMahon knows, Triple H knows, and then they put that person on a bus until they have to, they come out. So I think something like that could be in the works. Again, you're trying to fill a stadium after a global pandemic. You know, you bring back some of these other big name stars and you do something shocking like that. Ooh, bring back Duke the Dumpster Drosy. Yes. <laughs> so. So SummerSlam would be like a good idea if they were thinking about doing like Becky Lynch versus Rhea Ripley for the women's title. Like let the SummerSlam be like Becky's first match. Like she comes in there and like, oh, I never lost the title. You know, and then she, you know, she gets the title shot and, you know, she can have her first match at SummerSlam. And if they if Adam Pierce is like, well, you've been away for so long, she, again, they could take that part of the Oscar storyline and say, well, I traded my title for the briefcase. If they want to use that as part of a storyline, say, and I'm cashing in on at SummerSlam, so you can't stop me. I'm a money in the bank contract holder. Oh, that would be tremendous. I am holding out hope. That is what's going to ultimately end up happening because it would be so far out of right field. That, and I just don't see WWE actually doing it. So if they actually did do it, it would be tremendous. Uh, Gagsy Clown saying, if Cardi B is actually hosting, he is not watching. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Cardi B. <laughs> I'm pretty sure WWE being a PG product, they uh, will not be able to have her perform WAP on the stage. <laughs> Oh, I, I mean, they had her do it on the Grammys, and it was one of the craziest performances you'll ever see. One of the craziest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah? I, 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 I have lost all faith in WWE after we got a Paul brother at WrestleMania. There are several things that have made me lose my faith in WWE. One of which is zombies. <laughs> One of which is not Slapjack. Right. Uh, you know. Uh, speaking of things that are interesting, like AEW, I am slowly but surely getting a little bit of a feeling it, it, it looks like 
Sting might be the the head of the Dark Order at some point. Interesting. Just based at, at, at my, my Spidey senses, my, my my Scorpion's senses were tingling on uh, <laughs> on Friday Night Dynamite, watching Sting and having Dark Order help them out. I, I was just like, you know, with his character, with his status. Mm-hmm. That that could really help Dark Order become something more, or maybe uh, you know AEW could get Mustafa Ali to head that faction, <laughs> and maybe you, you know maybe that could be part of a trade. You know, you trade uh, number ten and uh, uh, John Silver uh, for uh, Mustafa Ali and Slapjack. Uh, I don't think that would be a fair trade. Can't we just do it like straight up for Stu Grayson? Maybe. (laughs) But uh, I don't know. That's just a sneaking suspicion I I have about all that. Um, So that's that. But I like it. Yeah. So that's that. Um, what, What else do you have on the docket, Brainless One? Let's see. We talked about the New Japan and the WWE. Yeah. Uh, We talked about... Oh, so did you catch what I said about JR? I think it was the first thing that I talked about in the episode. I did not see that. All right, so apparently Jim Ross did an interview earlier this week, and somebody had asked him if he thought that Kenny Omega was the best wrestler in the world right now, and Jim Ross said, no, it's Randy Orton. And he went into into thorough detail as to why he said that Randy Orton is the best wrestler in the world. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, Captain Butthurt got butthurt over the fact that mm-hmm. guy basically said that the rival company's wrestler is a better wrestler than he is in the world. Well, and Jim Ross, with, with his career and everything he's been through and seen and done, you know, isn't just looking at the in-ring portion of it. He's looking at their character work and how, you know, the entertainment bits and the physical attributes and just, I think, the the vibe and persona that they just kind of exude. And it's hard, you'd be hard-pressed to say anybody's better been better than Orton in the last couple of years. I mean, that run where he was full heel, like where he ended up taking the uh, extender or whatever it's called out of Jeff Hardy's ear and like did the screwdriver stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's not Big Boss Man at, you know, uh, Big Show's dad's funeral or, or feeding pepper to Al Snow. But I mean, it was pretty sadistic stuff. Yeah. But in general, um, I, I would agree overall. Now, if you're talking in-ring work, you know, with Randy Orton, he, he doesn't have this, like, incredible moveset, but everything he does looks really good. And, like, you know, when he gives a headlock, you know, you, you're looking at it and you're like, yeah, his arm's, like, right underneath the dude's, like, chin. It's not light, and it looks like, you know, He's leaning on the person, and it looks like, hey, yeah, 
this is not just a rest hold. It doesn't look like a rest hold when he does it. There are some wrestlers where you're like, yeah, really? That's what you're making this look like? You suck. Well, like for him, the uh, the DDT that he hits them with their legs on the rope is, for me, yeah. that most underrated moves in all of wrestling. And he just, just the way he gets it and just how methodical he is and just all the theatrics and then he drills them into the ground. And that move is pretty devastating. I've taken a, a DDT or two of my time. That is a move that just, it can knock you out. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of knocking uh, somebody out, it knocked Enzo Amore out. Yeah. Enzo was uh, doing an independent show, I think it was last weekend, and similar to what happened to Ricky Steamboat back in the day on Saturday night's main event, uh, when Jake the Snake Roberts DDT'd him onto the concrete, the story was they asked Jake to do the DDT onto the concrete with Ricky Steamboat. Jake said, I don't want to do it. I can't guarantee his protection. And... That happened in Providence, Rhode Island. Lo and behold, though, what Jake said was true. Uh, Steamboat's head hit the concrete, and he was knocked out. And had a, I think they said, like, almost immediately, his eye or, or, or his head, like, grew immensely. And, and, like, just bad shape. And he came back, I think, a couple weeks later and got had, like, a revenge match. Uh, but with Enzo Amore... Similar thing happened. He took a DDT on the concrete, and he's not John Cena, so he did not kick out at two. He was knocked the hell out. And as much as he seems kind of like an a-hole, I don't wish poorly on him. And, uh, you know, he, he's been on Twitter and said, like, eh, I'm doing all right. And... I'll be back at it as soon as I can. And DDT ain't nothing to be messed with. Uh, and, uh, you know, Timmy, who chimes in every once in a while, what, did my favorite DDT ever, which was on my parents' floor, uh, and he did it to his brother. Uh, but, you know, he did it perfect like Jake did, where, like, you know, Jake's little sign to the person that he's about to drop him was the little tap on the back. Mm-hmm. Timmy did that and, and like did that to his brother and his brother was just on the ground like not saying anything, not moving, not doing anything. No. It was the first time I ever saw him have actual concern for his brothers. <laughs> now, and then finally Teddy got up and oh. just was like going crazy. But because Teddy was much smaller than we were at the time, that didn't mean too much. Uh, but the DDT is nothing to be trifled with. But the way Randy Orton does it looks awesome. You know, he does the little, like, head bob. And, mm -hmm. like, and then does the touch behind the back of the head before he drops you. It looks great. Yeah. Randy Orton, all his mannerisms, his promos, everything he does, it's like, once he goes through that curtain, that's who he is. Yep. Except for that one moment that we saw him uh, backstage when he was about to do the running. Oh, that was fantastic. When he went. Oh, he's he's so that he's little kid was who was getting all hyped. Oh yeah, he was the only one getting all hyped for that too. I was like, oh, 
God, I paid money for an RKO, so I'm getting one. Yep. Speaking of Randy Orton, uh, what did you think about Matt Riddle hitting the RKO on uh, Xavier Woods? Obviously, Randy Orton gave the okay for that to happen. Uh, and that's part of the dynamic with RK Bro, where it's like, kind of doing things that will annoy Randy Orton's or annoy the Viper, but he still kind of is like kind of okay with it. So I'm, uh, nobody does it as well as Randy Orton, but I, I, it works for what they're doing right now. And that's I, all I've got to say about that. All I got to say is I want them to win the tag team titles. I really do. I want RK Pro to be the tag team champions. And, I, and what I want them to do is I want them to bring in Rob Van Dam, kind of like what they did with MVP in the Hurt Business. And I want RVD to manage Randy Orton and Matt Riddle because it would be the funniest thing in the world to me. And it would get me to watch with a huge smile on my face for three hours, all three hours of Monday Night Raw every Monday, if they did that. If they gave us RK Bro 20 or some shit like that. Yeah. But well, uh, I, I was going to say, uh, I mentioned it last week. I'll mention it again. The icons on Rob Van Dam on the Peacock on WWE Network. Uh, really well done. Make sure you check that out. Rob Van Dam kind of gets into everything that went on in his career. I, I think one of my favorite parts, though, when he was extremely blunt about the wrestling business, at least at this point in his career, he was like, everybody behind the scenes says, oh, I'm the one who loves the business the most. Oh, I'm the one who loves the business the most. And he was quite frank and just said, you know what? I really do like this business. It's I've earned a heck of a living, uh, but I, it, it, right now, uh, it's it's a business to me. I and if I get paid well, I'll go out there and I'm gonna go out there and put on the you know the Rob Van Dam show, the one that everybody expects to see. Uh, but other than that, he more or less is. <laughs> More or less, uh, he, he was like, yeah, right now it, it would take an awful lot to get me in the ring. So I appreciate the fact that he was like, yeah, I don't have the love for the business I used to. But, you know, when he goes out there, you can tell he's giving it his all. But he, he went in depth about how, uh, I think it was like 2016, he was like going, you know what, my life's always been pretty dang good 2016 he's like i went through dark times and just you know it took him a few years to kind of work through all that because the people that he used to lean on were no longer with us so he figured out a way through it and you know he talked about his divorce and how he was still living in the house that he and his ex had bought together and had lived in together for years and how, well, oh, I still had my best friend and talk about his dog and how his dog was, the, you know, always there for him. And then like, not that long after that, his dog passes away 
and I think it was not that long after that, I think his father passed away. So like, it was like rapid succession divorce. Uh, his dog passes away. And I, again, I think it was his father passed away and he just kind of really went into depth about like, it was a rough go of it for, mm -hmm. for a little while for RVD. So good to see that he has kind of gotten his life back together. He has like a fiance who goes with him uh, to shows now. And she's like 30. Yeah. Well, hey, good for him. <laughs> so. I will say this. He might not have the love for wrestling like he used to, but he still has the love for marijuana like he used to. <laughs> well, he has it. He has his own um, chain of, I think, dispensaries. Of course he does. Why wouldn't he? Good for him. Yeah, man. I mean, he's already developed that reputation. Why not? Right. So. All right. Uh, all right. So what? What's what else do you have on the list? So we just talked Cena. Oh, what did you uh, what did you think about the announce uh, the announce team switch? Well, you know, Adnan Birth being out, I mean, I'm not, I'm shocked that they got rid of him so quickly. Like he certainly, you could tell, was not really getting it. Like he was better than Mike Adamley, but. I mean, he was mispronouncing names or, or calling moves the wrong thing. I think he called people the wrong name a couple times. Jeff Hardy. He just, <laughs> right. He, he, but he, he just was not getting it. And now they hired a former MMA guy. Uh, I don't think this is going to be like what, them getting Mauro Ronaldo. Where, where you knew there was going to be a fit. You knew that this person was going to get it. Mm -hmm. I think his name's Jimmy Smith, if I'm remembering right. Yes, sir. Uh, so we'll see what he does. I mean, uh, Pat McAfee, in my view, has been doing a, a very solid job on SmackDown. Uh, I, I had a lot of, it, it was a lot of fun watching like, he and Bailey interact last night mm -hmm. uh, dur during the broadcast. Uh, but as far as Adnan goes, it's like he just wasn't getting it. And then they uh, released uh, uh, Phillips this week. Oh, Phillips, yep. And God. the the guys from uh, FTR, uh, I forget if it was uh, Dax or, or Cash. I think it was Dax. Was Dax Wilder? you know, said that he was the best announcer. Like if they, you know, pre-match they or, or, or pre-show, they would talk about, this is the story we're going to try to tell in the match. And he said that Phillips was the best one in his view at accentuating the things they were trying to tell. Mm -hmm. and Mick Foley had a lot of praise for him saying that he seemed to blend well with whoever you put him with in a uh, broadcast team. So certainly a lot of people liked him. I thought he was, it, this, just my view, I thought he was super vanilla. He, I wasn't offended by uh, him on commentary as much as I am. Like, like Michael Cole routinely offends me with some of the dumb crap that he says. 
or the stuff that he just plain misses in a match. I mean, I always come back to when it was uh, Big Show, Mark Henry, and Daniel Bryan in a triple threat cage match for for the title, or for the heavyweight title. And, like, the whole match, I, I think, uh, the, you know, Big Show was using the right hand uh, as his ending move. And between, I think, Bryan and Mark Henry, they were working over the hand the whole match. And near the end of the match, Big Show was holding on to Daniel Bryan because Daniel Bryan was trying to climb out of the cage. And I think uh, Mark Henry was also trying, like, hitting Big Show. Uh, but eventually, Big Show lets go of Daniel Bryan. But instead of bringing up the fact that that was the injured hand that they were working on the whole match, it wasn't even mentioned. It's like, this was the whole point of the match. Like, they got to that end specifically because of that happening. Daniel Bryan was let go by the big show because they were trying to take away his most dangerous weapon. Uh, I, I think they were calling it the weapon of mass destruction right. at that point. Uh, but, like, they took... They took that hand out, but then because the hand was weakened, he couldn't hold on to Daniel Bryan, and Michael Cole didn't say a damn thing about it. And it's like, but you got to remember, suck. As 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 everybody's commenting in the uh, in the chat and everything, he's got to save his brain arsenal for like all this. It's boss time. Vintage, Vintage Randy Orton, the big dog. Oh, come on. I know you all miss the big dog. That was the best thing he used to say. It was the big it's dog. The tribal chief. Yeah, it doesn't have the same ring, though. No, it doesn't. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's such good Michael shit. Michael Cole, baby! I'm not, I'm not signing. Sucks. <laughs> I know. Nobody is. You know, Jessica, uh, Michael Cole gets on my nerves a lot. Um, you know, uh, uh, Melanie on Twitter always said that she wanted to have Michael Cole replaced with a fishbowl. <laughs> and, and there's this picture of angry-looking Michael Cole. I think this was, this was during his heel days. Every time she would post about that, I would post the angry Michael Cole face to her uh, but but Melanie is like one of the most positive wrestling fans you could find out there she has a huge following on Twitter but she could not find anything positive about Michael Cole and yet he is the lead announcer for WWE he even got like a new title recently where he's like the head of them all Think about this. We are living in a time where Michael Cole. Now brace yourself for what I'm going to say. Michael Cole is the voice of the WWE. To quote our former president. Sad. And another confession I have to make. I actually have that picture on my phone. <laughs> yeah. The one, the one of. The, the, the Michael Cole face. I actually, for whatever reason, I have that on my phone. I don't know why. I, I may still have that on my phone because I needed it at my beck and call. <laughs> you, you know, for, yeah. 
I think I still have it. That was like one of the few things like when I was like cutting everything out of my phone where I'm like. <laughs> Tremendous. The next one I have after that. Yes. Uh, see, see, look, there's two of them, two of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, here's one where I was really tough. Yeah, I, I took a, a street hockey ball right off my my mouth. Uh, it, yeah, I, I got cut the hard way. <laughs> Uh, Vince McMahon would have fined me, though. Said I did it on purpose. Did the referee put gloves on immediately right after? Yeah, well, you, ironically enough, the way I closed up that wound was very similar to how they closed up wounds. I took super glue and, and shut it because, qu quite honestly, I, I was like, you know what? By the time I go to the emergency room, by the time they see me, it's going to be like another five hours and I'm going to keep bleeding. All right, you know what? Little super glue that'll stop that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and guess what? It worked. I didn't end up having to get stitches. I didn't have to go to the hospital. <laughs> it's beautiful. I think I might have a, like a little bit of a scar here, but un unless you're really looking, you're not going to see it. So you are. I felt tough. I felt pretty tough after that. Did Did you? Were you channeling your inner Sabu? Uh, yes. There you go. That's all we wanted to hear. And Sabu was very prominent in the RBD Icons documentary. Well, I'm sure of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that it, those are the famous last words of so many patients uh, that have been at the ER. Uh, but what? thankfully, so far... I've been able to avoid that issue. So. Yeah. Is that the, is that the almighty? It is the almighty. The almighty is uh, having an awful lot of fun with uh, a, a certain uh, uh, black lab that's here right now. So. He, he, you know what it is? He's trying to get that nomination for the Hall of Fame in 2021. Well, it, that's going to be tough. I mean, when you're talking about uh, animals who have done amazing things on this podcast, just like uh, Doctor Strange in uh, uh, Infinity War and Endgame, one. Yep. One. Uh, Dixie. And Dixie with the five-star dog splash onto Bugsby. 223 episodes we've done, Jay. 223 episodes, and there's still not a moment that was greater than that. Oh, and tremendous. Tremendous. So. I put that with, like, the Red Sox winning the World Series in 2004. <laughs> right. Axel's streak can take him. N nobody's ending Curtis Axel's streak. Enough Will you be serious? As Gorilla Monsoon used to be used to say actually wait was that vince saying that to, it might have been vince saying it to heenan will you be serious drake <laughs> that. that was gorilla monsoon so beautiful
stop that. He used to do that with Bobby Heenan and with Jesse Ventura, too. Yes. All right. Um, the only thing, the only other thing I got other than the uh, predictions I wanted to ask you about, uh, the Usos. They had yeah. a match last night as a tag team in over a year, and they went up against the Street Profits, who they basically challenged for this match from la for last night. Uh, so yeah. Thoughts on everything? You know, what would you think? Well, and we touched on it before. I feel like the Usos are going to accidentally win the SmackDown Tag Team Championships and that Jay is going to have to decide what's the better way forward for him, what's the better way forward for his family to go with his brother who has gotten the two of them the Tag Team Championships or to continue being Roman Reigns' uh, lapdog and following the head of the table. I, I don't know what will happen beyond that, but I, I have a feeling that the Usos are going to challenge either the Mysterios or perhaps the Mysterios are, you know, short-time champions and maybe the Dirty Dogs get back the titles at some point. Although they, they challenged last night, right? Yes. Or was it so? Let, um, last night they did the thing where they basically reversed what happened at, I think it was Backlash or WrestleMania Backlash, whatever. So instead of Dominic getting jumped before the match, it was Ray that got jumped before the match. And Dominic did the two-on-one handicap match, and then Ray comes yeah. out and yada, yada, yada. Right, right, right. Uh, so I, I just feel like the Usos are going to get the tag team championships, and that's just going to force Jay into having to make a decision. I also like, – like, Roman Reigns can operate on his own, but it, I don't know. It feels silly that if he's the tribal chief without people under him outside of Paul Heyman. So I would think they would win the titles and then figure out a way to get them to be under Roman Reigns in some way, shape, or form. I don't know how they'll do that, but – it's WWE creative. They'll figure out a way to screw it up. <laughs> They're going to insert Mustafa Ali. Right. Uh, hey, why, why, why not? Uh, you know what? When they go over to Saudi Arabia in November, October, uh, they'll have Yokozuna be part of the storyline. Yeah, there you go. They got a DeLorean? Uh, yes. There we go. Uh, yes, they're going to use their oil muddy money to hire uh, Dr. Emmett Brown uh, to, yeah, uh, steal some plutonium and uh, make a flux capacitor. And, <laughs> yeah. And they're going to, yeah, they're going to find this uh, track where, I mean, it's going to go well over 88 miles an hour. I like it. So that that's kind of what I see as far as that storyline though. Usos will win the tag team titles again, and you you got Jimmy who's like rah 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 champion of the Usos, Uso Penitentiary, and, and how he kind of almost pulled Jay into like that promo with the Street Profits about that. So that that'll be interesting. That promo that the Profits 
dropped and then the Usos retaliated with. That was some of the best promo work I've seen in a while. Yeah, it was great. It was it was really well done, and I I'll tell you the match delivered too. You know, I I had no doubts about. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that it it, it it was really good stuff. So such good shit. Uh, Mike Rainey, that's that, that's not a bad idea. There, Usos win tag team titles, but Jade turns on Jimmy, which will lead to a Jimmy versus Roman match. And I don't know if that means that the uh, tag titles will be held in abeyance, or if it'll be you know situation like uh, Team Hell No. I am the tag team champion. No, I am the tag team champion. I had that T-shirt. <laughs> oh, I couldn't wait. Dr. Shelby. Remember that belt? You remember how ugly those tag team titles were? Yes, they looked like pennies. Yeah. They, I, I, they sucked. I bought it, and I think I wore that shirt twice. I realized how ugly the championship belt was, and I was like, I can't be seen out in public with this thing. <laughs> I wouldn't even want to be a WWE superstar and hold that fucking title. That's how bad. Superstar? All right, um, so that's all the topics. Uh, you want to do some predictions, Jay? Uh, sure. One thing I do want to say, uh, this past week they had, um, I want to say, was it Dark Order? Dark Order, I think, had a tag team match that was pretty freaking phenomenal on AEW this mm -hmm. week. Uh, unfortunately, I, I wasn't able to take any notes on, on yeah. stuff that happened, so I'm trying to work completely off of memory here. Uh, but uh, they ended up losing the match, but like they were going all, pardon the expression, they were going all out Yeah. in, in this match. I, they might have been going against Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. It, it was a great freaking match, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jessica. I, I like that they gave Hikaru Shida a new title, and I, I think it looks good. And you, you know, you want to talk predictions? And we, we talked this last week. Stone Cold Lead Pipe Lock. Doctor Britt Baker is going to win the women's championship. They talked about how long Sheeta has had the title, which has been over a year at this point. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker is the biggest star in that division right now. I love Hikaru Sheeta, but as far as being a personality in something uh, beyond somebody who puts on good matches, she and some of it's not her fault. Mm -hmm. They just haven't given the right amount of time to the women, except for Dr. Britt Baker. And I mean, I'll freely admit that at the beginning when uh, Britt Baker did her heel turn, I wasn't a big fan of it because I thought she was terrible. She had a terrible delivery, in, but after about a month, month and a half, then she started kind of becoming comfortable in it, and, and she really I, – I, I've become a fan of her work in this uh, current character, and she is very well-deserving of – the title run she's going to get. Agreed. And yes, this is definitely something we talked about last week. Speaking of the Dark Order, guess yes. finally came in after three and a half months of waiting. Yeah. There you go. Isn't that fantastic? Cody Lee, man. 
three and a half months. Just, just, I mean, I, I have no words. I'm, I'm just so happy that this thing is finally here. Uh, and Jessica, 100% agree. Uh, this is going to be a really good match. They're going to give these ladies some time. And Hikaru Shida is great in the ring. And I'd say uh, Dr. Britt is solid in the ring. So that'll be good. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing before we uh, – well, you know what? We'll, I'll, I'll talk about this later on when we get to uh, the stadium stampede match. Um. Mike, uh, you're not the only one that thought that they were uh, cheering for Britt Baker. It seems like a lot of people are starting to back Britt Baker now that the crowds are going to be coming back. And that was one of the concerns that AEW had, that she was going to be getting over with the crowd instead of Hikaru Shida. Well, you know, when somebody does that good of work with their character, wrestling fans know more about the business today than they did you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. So we have an appreciation for somebody who does their job well. I know that WWE was probably thinking that Roman Reigns was going to be cheered a lot at WrestleMania and weren't sure what to expect with fans there. Honestly, I think for uh, the Thunderdome, they liked the idea that they could control the crowd and the crowd noise a bit more and point the crowd to do certain things that they wanted to try to get people over in a specific way. Right. And now it's going to be up to the crowd. And hearing a full live crowd on Friday Night Dynamite was freaking awesome. Yes, it was. You, you know, you, you sit there and wonder what's missing from wrestling, and it's like, you know, and fans being starved from having that live vibe. It was great having Daly's place full mm -hmm. as opposed to being like 10, 20, or 30% capacity. So, yeah. All right. <clears throat> All right. So, Serena Deeb is fighting Riho. Yeah, for the NWA Women's Championship. Is that really what... That's a title match? That's a title match. <laughs> you know that... Uh, uh, go tomorrow, right? What was that? That's on the pre-show. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. They're, they're doing all these partnerships. They got the one with Impact. They have Kenny Omega go over there. He's in the main event and basically wins the Impact title at an Impact pay-per-view. They're taking the NWA Women's Champion and having her defend the championship against Riho and the pre-show of the AEW pay-per-view. Yeah. I, I, should, I, should I not be bothered by that? You know, the thing that AEW is doing, Impact has more viewers than they have had, I think basically since they uh, were uh, purchased a couple of years ago uh, by, uh, what is it, Fightful? Yes. Um, since the Kenny Omega stuff started happening, their numbers have gone up dramatically. NWA, which 
they didn't fold shop, but more or less have not been able to have shows for the last 16 months, needed some way to keep their division alive, their, their name out there. So they made their partnership and I think it's helped elevate actually all the companies, which that, that was the idea of this. Okay, you get the good brothers to come over to Impact Wrestling, from Impact Wrestling to AEW. <laughs> you get, you know, they haven't been able to share anybody really with NWA outside of helping NWA, again, keep their name alive, get their talent out there and have their talent, you know, have time on AEW. Yeah. And quite honestly, uh, these AEW or NWA women's matches have been pretty spectacular like when they had a uh, thunder rosa and serena deeb i mean those were great yeah uh, and i think what was it thunder rosa and Britt baker yep. a few months ago so that they, they've had plenty of great stuff because of these partnerships i understand like somebody has to come out on top and you know the big fish aew here will probably get a majority of the W's here. Mm -hmm. But again, as a wrestling fan, we're the ones who end up getting the big win. Right. By having some of these matches we didn't think we'd see, by having these alliances between companies we never believed would happen, it felt like when the territories ended all those years ago, that kind of stopped happening. Uh, WCW having, you know, Partnerships with uh, Japanese promotions that stopped happening in the 90s. Same thing with uh, WWF back then. Mm -hmm. They had partnerships, and they've done away with. They did did away with those. The fact that WWE has partnered with with like Evolve and other independent promotions mm -hmm. out there. You know, I think that's. It, it almost feels like WWE has been putting their toe in the water to see what's out there and what people think of this. And I don't mind seeing crossovers between them. Uh, and But in the end, as far as this match goes, Serena Deeb will go over. Yeah. Even though she's the NWA person going against the AEW person, you know, Riho is a solid performer and they're going to put on a great match but every once in a while the, the person from the other promotion has to win yeah i agree uh, uh, otherwise you have no credibility so so yeah mike uh, that was a cool moment on dynamite with uh jericho not only like getting choked up choked up but like he also had this huge huge smile because he's finally a full-fledged like baby face and can completely react to people singing his song, that singing his band song when he comes out. It's awesome. Uh, and, and I know you saw it, and I know you you, you tried to no-sell it, but you did get x pac you did get uh, Kevin Owens, and you got Omega. And I, I, I know you love when that happens. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, for all of our friends out there tuning in right now, Don't Eat Brown Snow is quite an artist, and I, I think he's selling some of his stuff. 
So make sure you check that out. Uh, if you're still on here, uh, you know, let them know where you could, people can find it uh, in the chat. Jay, you forgot to mention he's an F and Marks Hall of Famer. He is an F and Marks Hall of Famer. Yeah? Yeah? All right. So we're both agreement uh, with both Britt Baker and Serena Deeb. Yep. All right. Yep. So in the next one, we got Anthony Ogogo. Isn't that a Wham song? Yes. <laughs> he's uh he's make I, I think it's his debut or at least his pay per view debut, and he's going up against Cody Rhodes. So this week, Anthony Ogogo has said that he broke his rib during training for this match, and he was saying. I think I've probably said things I shouldn't have said, but, you know, they had a, a weigh-in on AEW uh, last night. Big Show was the person who was in charge of the weigh-in. Uh, I think they borrowed uh, that the, the, the prop scale from uh, Crash Holly, <laughs> RIP. Uh, but so they, they weighed both uh, dudes and, you know, typical uh, weigh-in where th th there was a, almost a melee, almost, and almost. But I like when they do stuff like this to make it feel like, it's real. you know, big fight feel, real. Even when they had all out, when Cody had like the entourage come with him out to the ring. Mm -hmm. It makes it feel like a sporting event, makes it feel something more spectacular. Right. So I like I like little touches like this. So I like the Anthony Ogogo. Like they they've been specifically doing the um you know American dream versus the, the British British uh guy and I liked how Ogogo had like uh he had the Union Jack boxer shorts that he was wearing during the uh, the weigh-in. I thought, you know, that was a nice little touch. I thought in general it was, again, a, a cool segment. And I'm going to go in this match with Anthony Agogo going over on Cody Rhodes. If you want to give the new guy that big push, you sit there and you take, in my view, their top baby face, and you have – the heel win. So I'm going to go, I'm going to say that the Anthony Ogogo wins. All right. We're both in agreement on that one. Cause I think that's just the right way of going. And like I've been talking about with the executive vice presidents of AEW Talent relations, Talent relations. right. Um, I, I love the way that Cody's been booking himself. And I, I think he's doing it better than the bucks and Kenny Omega were. So I can understand that whole tiff that they've been having. Um, so I, I think this is the way he's going to go. I think he's going to put over another guy, and we'll see where it goes from there. By the way, with uh, Cody Rhodes, and he has kind of mentioned this at some point, Cody Rhodes at some point is going to challenge for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Okay. Mark my words. I'm saying this specifically because, and I'm going to say that, it's when he turns heel. Because what would a heel do? Break the rules. Heck, I said I was never going to go for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. But I lied. 
It's going to happen. Mark my words. Uh, it might happen a year from now, but it will happen. Yeah. It's definitely going to happen. Anthony Agogo wins this match, though. Yep. All right. And uh, I don't know if you want to call this the Dr. Seuss match. We have Hangman Page going up against Brian Cage. <laughs> you know, I like uh, Hangman Page more than I like Brian Cage. Brian Cage looks the part. Uh, it's great that Taz is his mouthpiece. I don't know. Something about him just doesn't do it for me. With all that being said, I think that, you know, Cage has kind of been wallowing for quite a while uh, of... kind of being part of things, but not really being prominent. So I'm going to say that they're going to try to give Brian Cage a push here, and I think he wins. Uh, even though he has nobody helping him here, I think they're going to find a shady way to have him uh, get help from Team Taz here. I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think Hangman Page actually gets this victory. Uh, okay. The way that they've been booking um, the whole thing with Taz, with Ricky Starks, and Hobbs and all those guys, I it's Paige is going to win this match. All right. Uh, Mike Rainey chiming in, uh, saying uh, Cage wins. We got Jessica chiming in, saying Hangman wins. Uh, Mike also saying he believes Cody is going to win in the match against Anthony Agogo. Wake me up before you Agogo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, trust me. They, they get they get much better, but they get much worse. <laughs> Yes, yes. I, I can attest to that. <laughs> All right, we got uh, Sting and Darby Allen going up against Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Oh, uh, you know, Sting and Darby Allen kind of ended up getting one over on Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Sky and Page also being like super arrogant by like taking on a match right before they're going to go against Sting and. Darby Allen. Mm -hmm. I, I I think Sting and Darby continue their winning ways uh, despite, you know, Darby not being 100%. So Sting and Darby Allen win this match. Uh, but, you know, I think just being in the ring with Sting for Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, will give them enough of a rub to Elevate them. Yeah. I think I think it'll be a great match. I'm with you on that. I think it's going to be Sting and Darby Allen. Um, yeah, let's see what else works. The next match on this thing. Uh, I can't wait for this one. It's the Stadium Stampede match. It's the Pinnacle versus the Inner Circle. Thoughts? And, and if... Inner Circle loses, they have to disband. Yes, I forgot about that. My apologies. So, I, I like the promos that were cut yesterday on Dynamite, uh, hyping for this match. The fact that Chris Jericho is going to go out there and wrestle in this match, you know, with a messed up arm. Again, I, 
I think part of this is that they're going to shoot this ahead of time. So they're going to be able to keep him as safe as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. uh, all that being said, back in the day, I remember Triple H talking about how if you're a wrestler, if you can stand, you can put on a match. You know, so like when he blew out his quad and like finished the match, that was pretty incredible. It was. And didn't he ended up take take a sharpshooter or something like that on that quad or something along those lines in that match? Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, they've always said if you can stand, you can you can work. So you know, Jericho, you know, be limited in what he can do, but you know, does Judas affect? become more impressive because now he has a bionic arm there you go they could shoot it in a way where like it looks like he elbows somebody with it but again because his arm is legit injured you know you could cut it in such a way that you wouldn't know uh that, that he wasn't swinging full force or you sit there and take a really real close-up shot and ah, it could be anybody's arm that's in there mm. So they might do things like that to try to hide the fact that Jericho's arms hurt and he can't do too much. So, uh, so Jessica believes the inner circle is going to win this match. Uh, Mike Rainey saying, didn't inner circle lose this same match, uh, last year? Uh, yes, yes, they did. Uh, and my belief is inner circle is going to break up here. We're going to have pinnacle win. again, it could be some shady thing that they do. I believe a guy like Jake Hager, who they've, when he came into AEW, he talked about how they had a lot of confidence in him and he, they saw him as a top tier, like talent. And he's just kind of been wallowing. He's been in the inner circle, but like he hasn't been super prevalent. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to break them up. So you get somebody like Jake Hager, who maybe he'll get a chance. Uh, Sammy Guevara, maybe be able to fly on his own. Hopefully he doesn't say, make the same mistakes that he's made in his first couple of years. And then maybe uh, get your boys from Pride and Powerful a legit run at the Tag Team Championships. Because mm -hmm. it feels like with Inner Circle, like they've reached the pinnacle of what they can do. And let's break them up and let them work at, at their specialty on their own. Uh, with Jericho going on tour, with... The fact that he's injured right now, I think it's the perfect time to break them up. And again, with them with having uh, 157 factions, if we're down to 156, that'd be great. I can see a scenario where, like, Jake Hager costs the inner circle the match, and then he joins the pinnacle. I don't know if I'd see say something like that happening since they have Wardlow already at Pinnacle and they kind of, and that was part of the storyline within our circle that Wardlow and Jake Hager were not, right. you know, working well together. 
but one thing uh, that I was going to bring up before, Jim Ross in an interview this week was asked about people that he sees that are, are going to be big stars, and he specifically called Wardlow, said Wardlow has the it factor. You can't teach the it factor. Wardlow has it, and he uh, compared him of a cross with um, Lex Luger and Batista. He said he thought that he worked better than Luger, but he's talking specifically like body type and what have you. He said he thought he was a better worker than Luger and talked about how Batista, as the years went on, became better and better at what he did in the ring. He's like, oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. Neither neither of these guys are going, you, you know, he's not supposed to be a technician. Mm -hmm. He's not going to be like Daniel Bryan. He's not going to be like Kenny Omega, who's like putting on wrestling clinics. But he has the it factor and he has the size and he has, he, he checks off so many boxes. He said he believes Wardlow is going to be a breakout star and he, I think he said by like 2022, mm -hmm. he believed that that's when Wardlow would kind of start ascending. Because obviously at this point, MJF is the guy who is, you know, they're shooting with the rocket up to the top. Right. So you get MJF, you know, in the next year, he'll be the champion. And then you have Wardlow who gets tired of, you know, being the muscle behind the champion and wants a shot. And maybe this ends up being similar to the Shawn Michaels diesel thing. And right. Get both guys over and get both guys to the next level. Not a terrible thing to do. So, but I definitely see Pinnacle winning this match and Inner Circle disbanding. Same. I, I, I agree with you on this. All right, you don't happen to know who's in the uh, Casino Battle Royale, do you? Um, I think there's about 5,000 people. Yes. You're, you know everybody's in it then. Do you have uh, a pick for it? Um, I'm just going to sit there and say QT Marshall since he kind of doesn't really do much. <laughs> no, seriously, Jay, who do you think is going to win the match? I'm going with QT Marshall because really what has he done? He has a faction underneath him. He needs to do something of prominence, right? I'm going to level with you. I almost put QT Marshall as my pick. I almost did. But there's one name that just stood out amongst everybody else is like my, my favorite to win this match. And that's Christian Cage. Yeah, you know what? That, that's a good pick. And you know me. He, he's supposed to outwork everyone. And you know me. I don't like betting chalk. Right. It's pretty chalk. But, uh, but if. Well, well, maybe QT Marshall will get his moment during the Cody Rhodes Anthony Agogo match because QT is kind of like the proxy for Anthony Agogo. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's going to be one of those two. I. I wouldn't rule it out. The fact that I had that thought cross my mind means that there's there's some kind of there's some kind of legs to it. I'm just I'm uh, Mike Rainey's saying he thinks Hobbs wins. That's not a bad. Pick Ooh, I like that one too. Powerhouse Hobbs. Well, if so. I'll tell you right now, if Hobbs wins, then freaking Brian Cage is definitely going to win. 
and they're probably going to give – it's going to be all of uh, Taz's dudes winning the Team Taz. Yeah. 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 All right. I, I do those. All right. What do we got next? For the TNT Championship, we have Rusev, now known as Miro. Miro. I actually had to look that. I, I, I hate that name, Miro, even though it's his real name. Right. Well. He's always I love how they now say that he, uh, uh, now hailing from Nashville, Tennessee, Miro, completely like writing out, you know, Bulgaria, just so they could, you know, kill the character that he was. Right. So, uh, he is, uh, and he's going against Lance Archer. Sir. Uh, you know, it's so weird. Like, they put Jake the Snake with him, and Jake the Snake's great on the microphone. But every time Lance Archer speaks, I don't believe him. <laughs> like, he tries to sound like a tough guy, but I don't believe it. But, like, it doesn't project well for me. And I don't know what it is that's off with him. And just my view. He needs to work on it more before they let him ascend to that next level. He could do all the great stuff in the ring, and he's got the size, but, like, character-wise, right now, again, he's been wallowing. They keep – we've talked about this before. They brought in all these big names to have this, like, one-off championship match and then didn't know what to do with them after and Lance Archer is a great case in point for this. They still don't know what the heck to do with him at the moment. Uh, Miro definitely wins this match. There's no way they can put it on Lance Archer. It feels too early after Miro's won the championship, and I don't think Lance Archer's done anything to get that, ha have the AEW brass behind him. I don't think he's done it yet. I, I agree. I, I it's it's way too soon to take the title off of Miro because if you put the TNT title on Archer this quickly, then you're going to be like, oh, look, you guys are hot potato in the TNT title. Oh, look, sure. like WWE. And then it's just going to be a, a giant war between WWE and AEW fans, and we don't want that. So we're going to go with Miro winning this match. Yep. Mike agrees with us, so. All right. We already did the Britt Baker Hikarashita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was not just our picks. It was our Stone Cold Lead Pipe locks for the pay-per-view. Yeah. More of a lock than lockjaw. Yeah, get it? She's a dentist. Uh, uh, brilliant. Brilliant. All right. <clears throat> for the tag team titles, we have the Young Bucks going up against John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Young Bucks are going to win this match, but I, I've enjoyed the buildup to this. Uh, Kingston and Moxley specifically bringing up that they're a makeshift tag team, but just talking about how they're going to go to war and they're going to kick the crap out of the Young Bucks. I enjoyed the heck out of it, but I think the Bucks continue their reign as tag team champions. Uh, Jessica chiming in saying she thinks Mox and Kingston win this thing. 
I'm going all right. Agree with Jessica on this one. I'm going with Moxley and Kingston. I have enjoyed this pairing. It's it's very similar for me to the bar. And you know how much I love the bar. Yeah. They didn't set the bar. They were the bar. And I, I just, I've enjoyed Moxley's work. I think this is great. This is a way for him to still be in the spotlight without actually being in the main event picture. Well, Kenny Omega's doing whatever. Omega things. Yes, he's doing Kenny Omega things. So it, it, it gives him a little bit of relevance. Also, it gives Eddie Kingston something to do. And Eddie Kingston does. is too damn talented to not be doing something right now. So I could see them winning the tag team titles, and this would be the opportunity to do it. Yeah. That, it, I can understand where it would, could go that way. I, I, I just don't see it. I, I feel like Mox, Moxley and Kingston was just something to give both of them something to do for the time being. So those team held no. Yes. Yeah. So. All right. We'll see. Well, at least yeah, Mike uh, agrees with, with with me saying he'd like to see Kingston and Moxley win, mm-hmm. but Young Bucks retain. Unfortunately. Should. Good. All right. All right. In the I don't know if this is going to be the main event. I'm assuming it's going to be the main event, and I part of me wants it to be the main event, even though. A good portion of me wants to see Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida main event tomorrow night. I think we get Kenny Omega versus Pac versus Orange Cassidy for the AEW championship. It's going to be a... They're going to put on one of these classic matches. I don't see any way that Kenny Omega does not walk out the champion. He is the belt collector... And they have not, in my view, built up somebody or a story big enough to take a belt off him at this moment. So I'm going to go with your boy, Kenny Omega. And I think the next uh, pay-per-view we have, he is going to uh, get challenged by a broom. And it will be in the uh, Tokyo Dome. So it's going to be seven and a half stars at least. Do you remember what the stupid human trick, like, I have to watch Kenny Omega fight the blow-up doll? Do you remember what, oh, is it if Urban Meyer actually makes it through the entire season with the stars, I have to watch the Kenny Omega fight a blow-up doll match? Yes. Okay, I I just thought so. All right, this is a very interesting match to me. I would love nothing more than for this match to be a five-star banger. I really would. Because then Orange Cassidy would have more five-star matches than 99% of wrestlers in the history of mankind. I want this because this is a way for them to showcase that Orange Cassidy isn't just some gimmicky guy who wrestles with his hands in his pockets. Unfortunately, I have a feeling that the reason Orange Cassidy is in this match is because he's going to eat the pinfall from Kenny Omega so that Pac can still look strong in a losing effort Orange Cassidy is the one that has the least to lose if he loses. So it makes all the sense in the world. My, my hope is that he is dropped off by Trent Beretta's mom in the minivan. <laughs> and that's his entrance. Because that would be the most loafer, lazy way to get to the match. Yeah. If they made... 
you know how JBL, you know, he specifically had an area of the arena that his limo would get driven to, so he didn't have to walk that far to the ring. <laughs> that's what that's what needs to happen with Orange Cassidy, and he needs to get dropped off by Trent Barretta's mom. I want Orange Cassidy as AEW champion more than I want anything else in wrestling. I, I want it more than I wanted my match against King Kong Bundy. I I almost want Orange Rip. Cassidy to win as bad as I wanted the Red Sox to win in 2004. I mean, it's it's that. I, that's what I want. And, and in a perfect world, this is what would be happening. But unfortunately, the way that they've been booking the champion for AEW, they made derp. They, they they just not 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 see. I haven't said anything bad yet. I haven't said anything bad yet. I'm I'm doing very well. I have not I have not turned on Omega, um, but I, I, just the way everything is is going, I, I just the way the rest of the card is. The card is tremendous, and then I look at this one, and I'm just like, oh, I'm like they they definitely undersold the main event of Double or Nothing. They had the, the perfect chance to give Omega versus anybody, but it's, no, we're going to get Pac and Cassidy. And as much as I want Orange Cassidy to win this, I do know for a fact that he is going to get pinned, and he's not going to just get pinned. He is going to get pinned by the guy who is number two in your programs and number 14 in PWI's top 500 wrestlers in the universe. 14. Kenny Omega will get the victory. Yeah. You know who's not 14? Randy Orton. He's higher than 14. You you know who is 14? Jim Rice. Jim Rice was 14. Yeah. All right, so we're, I, I cannot believe we're both agreeing on Kenny Omega. I cannot believe I'm picking Kenny Omega. Uh, don't eat brown snow is excited about this. <laughs> Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. Um, I think it's time for a little good, bad, and brainless. Right. So uh, what is your good for this week, Cousin Jay? Uh, my good for this week is actually the, the match with the uh, Dark Order going against Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. It was awesome. Again, they went all out. Yeah. See what I did there? See what yeah, I did? Hope, hopefully that joke works out again in August. When they are. It will. Um, my good for this week, I'm going with the Usos and the uh, the Street Profits. You know, okay. just the whole opening segment that they had with uh, the, the Usos and Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman. And then you had the Profits come out and cut the promo that they did. And then you had the Usos come out and had the retaliation promo against them. Had a tremendous match. Usos went over. I, everything was just, it was so well done. That yeah, it's my good for this week. All right, what do you got for your bad? Uh, my bad this week. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with Velveteen Dream trying to explain about the allegations. Like the dude's trying to explain away things that certainly look really shady. And the preponderance of evidence tells me that he's full of crap. I hate when people lie and try to, like, cover their own 
tushes. Come on, dude. Come on. Come on, like, man. Come on, man. Uh, so I'm going to go with, uh, once again, the Velveteen Dream. Fair enough. I'm just saying. My bad for this week goes to a match that was announced for this upcoming Monday Night Raw, this past week on Raw. And the fact that I heard that this was going to be a match for next week was enough for it to be my bad for this week. And I'm going with the fact that we're getting Shayna Baszler versus Reginald on Raw in two days. Uh, speaking of that whole storyline, I, I, I heard something that made me think that my dream match might be delayed. My dream match and your dream match. It's not my dream match, Jack. Allegedly, Ava Marie is going to be coming back as a manager instead of being a wrestler. I'm going to say, though, we're still going to get that match. It just might take a little longer to get there. Well, easy there, Nostradamus. We get it. You're going to get your match because you know that the meltdown that would ensue when Eva Marie and Nia Jax actually have a wrestling match would be epic. So I, I think what's happened here is the reason why Ava Marie's been away for a, a few years is she just got through uh, with uh, being the person that makes fries. <laughs> you know, you start off on lettuce and, you know, next thing you're on fries. And then after that couple of years, you know, you make assistant manager, and, you know. What happened was she was supposed to get on a plane to fly to SmackDown that night, but accidentally got on a rocket ship. And she's been on Mars since 2017. And then she's going to come back. Oh, my goodness. There she is. She finally made it to Monday Night Raw. Yeah. But I, want, I, I, I hope her, her, her sewist has fixed her wardrobe. Yes. Agreed. But I just, why do we need Shayna Baszler versus Reginald? Why? I, I, uh, because Vince McMahon said so. There's no glass shattering after that one. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. I had to get it out. Yeah. And surprisingly, that's not my brainless. No. But what is your brainless for this week? Oh, Buff Bagwell. Buff <laughs> Takes, he takes the cake this week. Yeah, I didn't pull over because I was afraid my battery was gonna die. You kidding me? Come on, dude. Like, like, you could just sit there and keep the car on. That's all you gotta do. Come on, man. Uh, the the dude is such a hot mess right now in life. Similar to to. What I said about Velveteen Dream last week, I hope he has a come-to-Jesus moment. I hope he finds peace. I hope he finds what he needs to find to, to get by and not have a bad ending. Agreed. I, 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 it, it sucks seeing so many people we grew up watching have a bad ending to life. 
I don't want to see him have a bad ending to life. I don't want to see Velveteen Dream have a bad ending to life. But they're on destructive paths that they need to figure some crap out. And I hope they do. Hope both of them do. Right. Agree. But yeah, I, Marcus Alexander Buff Bagwell, you are also my brainless for this week. Because like, just I mean, I can understand getting in a hit and run. That's one thing. But to tell the cop that you didn't want to stop because of your battery dying is just, it's terrible. Did you see what kind of car he was driving? No. He was driving a 2005 Saab. That he borrowed from his mom? Yeah, probably. Judy Bagwell. Who just called out from work for him uh, from his male prostitute job. I love the fact that it was in a 2005 Saab. That makes it even better. The fact that, it, I mean, that dude. The fact that it's Buff Bagwell, it's just, it's fantastic. But the fact that he did it in a Saab just makes it even better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So if you've liked what you've seen, whether you are a first time watcher or somebody who is a continuous fan, uh, make sure you like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to us on YouTube at the letter T, the letter H, the letter E, the letter F, the letter N, M-A-R-K-S, the F in Marks. If you like, follow, and subscribe to us, we will do the same back. It is our mantra. And we've been doing that since day one is H. Uh, and also make sure you uh, set up uh, for live notifications for when we go live doing the show on the All Elite Marks page. So that way, when we do go live, you will see us. Now, lately, we've been going from our home page, and I've been sharing it onto the All Elite Marks page. Uh, you know, I, I think we'll probably be getting back to uh, All Elite Marks page next week. Uh, but yeah, lately, my schedule has been so crazy that uh, doing it via satellite, so to speak, has been the only way that we've been able to make this happen. So. Uh, make sure you set up for live notifications actually on both pages. So, uh, and also beyond that, we are now live, uh, or the podcast now goes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, and a couple other things out there. So if you've missed us on the live podcast, you now can listen to us on the road, on the go, and Enjoy all the lunacy that is this show. Thank you, Jessica. You as well. Have a safe and uh, awesome weekend. And enjoy uh, Double or Nothing. Yeah. So, so I think that's it. I think so. I, I think I've got to wait. There's one more thing. What's that brainless one? It's because today, May 29th, of 2021, an astonishing 2,316 days. What? F it marks Hall of Famer. I got that call. Is still alive in the 2015 Royal Rumble. Yeah. My timing is better when I'm there. Yes. That's all right. We'll get there. So. 
All right, so that is it for episode 223 of the Effing Marks podcast. I'm Jay. I am the brainless one. You too, Mike. Make sure you mark out with your guac out. See you, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Y'all enjoy your weekends. Yeah? Yeah! All right. Later. See you.